desperate need for the baptism tank to be filled. Amen. I tell you, last week, the power of God just began to touch a few of those that were being baptized, and I think I got baptized over again last Sunday. I had enough water hit me, but the Spirit of God was moving in such a powerful way, and we were just rejoicing with those. Amen. One of my favorite things to do in ministry is fill a baptistry. I love to have to fill a baptistry. And so if you have that desire in your heart, it is time to take the step to be baptized. Let myself or Pastor Ron know we don't have a date on the schedule, but as need arises, we would be so glad to talk to you about that. Today, would you go with me in your Bibles to a very common account in Scripture? Would you go with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 19? Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. I'm going to preach this morning on a Sunday school Bible story. I feel a very strong leading today. And I will be transparent with you. Pastor called me yesterday and he just shared some things with me that were on his heart and I believe the Holy Spirit is stirring hearts. I'm right there with him. I believe the Lord is stirring hearts on the subject of repentance. The subject of repentance. That moment, that encounter where you turn away from the former and you step into the new. You step away from the old and you begin to step and draw close and pursue God and his plans and his destiny and his appointments for your life. Anybody remember when they were first saved? Anybody remember when they were first saved? Can I, can I take, can, can anybody testify to the fact that walking away from the old man was well worth it? Is there anybody in the house that says walking away from the old life was well worth it? It was well worth walking away from the old life and stepping into the new. Amen. Kind of reminds me of case scenarios. You know how you go to the car lot and you trade in the old car? You trade in that old car? You trade in that one that smells like, uh, you know, stale milkshakes and it's got, it's got uh, archived and antique french fries in the floorboard. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. It's got it's got mud from the ancient prophets of old in the bottom of it. It's it's just you go and you trade it in and but then all of a sudden you get that new car. Anybody like that new car smell? Oh, I know we can be transparent this morning. We're 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 a church and we can be transparent with one another today. Who likes that new car smell? Sometimes I just like buying new cars to get the new car smell. I think they ought to make a, a, a cologne called the new car smell. There you go. Walk around with the new car smell. Amen. But there's something about you get into that new car, you begin to sync your phone into the, 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 the Bluetooth stereo. and Oh, is it me or do speakers in new cars just sound a little bit better? And truth be told, you're, the ride is maybe just as rough as the old car, but you swear up and down that you couldn't have had a better ride in the new car. Who knows what I'm talking about? Why? Because we love newness. 
We love newness. We love walking. We, we love experiencing newness. I tell you, I'm no dummy. I can see the pride and shoulders as people walk in on Easter Sunday morning. I can see that. Why? Because you got the new clothes on. Anybody? Anybody? I like new clothes. Who else likes new clothes? Amen. All right. Here at Rodney Pike Church of God, the men walk in in their new Carhartt t-shirts and Justin boots, and they just look a whole lot more confident than they did the week before. Because there's something about newness. Newness, oh my goodness, and oh, you just got to love that, that, that day a newborn baby first makes their first appearance to church. And that's why we try wholeheartedly to make sure we introduce a baby their first time coming to church because there's just something about newness. It does something to the atmosphere. It does some. We like newness. We like change and we like transformation. Can I tell you something? We should always have a praise of Christ's transformation in our mouth. I, I don't know why, why I'm on this vein. We, if we're, do I have any new create, creations in the house? Do I have any new creatures in the house? Do I have anybody who's been transformed in the house? So we might as well live like we've been transformed. I, ha I don't know. I haven't heard him say it in a long time. As pastor says, why do we look like we've been baptized in lemon juice? And so there is a need. Or baptized, some of us even look like we've been baptized in pickle juice. And so, but why, why not walk around with a smile? Why not walk around with joy in our hearts? Why not walk around declaring the newness and the transformation power of Jesus Christ? Amen. It's a mini sermonette that's free this morning. Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, starting at verse 1, says this. <coughs> then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Somebody say rich. That's going to be important here in just a second. And he was rich. And he sought to see, to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I love, I love the verbiage here. For today I must stay at your house. I want to read that sentence again. Make haste and come down for today I must. I got to. I have no choice. I got to come stay at your house, Zacchaeus. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, <coughs> Look, Lord. I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. 
And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to this house. I want to give it a Pentecostal emphasis. Today salvation has come to this house. Because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I want to read verse 10 again. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save, to pull you up out of the pit, to deliver you, to set you free, to break the chains off of, to transform, to save that which was lost. There's something with the concept of repentance. Repentance normally has an extremely heaviness about it, a high weight about it. It's typically one of those buzzwords that sometimes we are um, maybe a little reluctant to speak out loud into the air for the simple fact that it does carry a very heavy weight about it. And sometimes when you say the word repentance, it is equated to an air and a sense of harshness, uh, a sense of Bible thumping, a sense of uh, beating somebody down with quote unquote religion. Has anybody ever told you that before in your walk with the Lord that you're just trying to shove your religion down my throat? You're just trying to overwhelm me. All you're trying to do is, is Bible thump me and, and overwhelm me. But there's something about repentance that I believe we as the church forget about. Is that repentance is not just about what you're walking away from, but what you're walking towards. See, behind you is the former life. Behind you is the unredeemed life. Behind you is a life of sin and doubt and unbelief. But ahead of you is a life of transformation. Ahead of you is a life of the favor of God. Ahead of you is a life of, of divine peace and divine healing. And can I take it another step? Ahead of you is eternal life. Ahead of you is eternal life. Can I say something loud and proud? Can I say it from the rooftops? It's worth it to leave the old man behind and step into the newness and the transformation of Jesus Christ. You know what Zacchaeus is a prime example of? Zacchaeus is a prime example of somebody who looks like they've got everything. It looks like he has intelligence. It looks like he has wisdom. It looks like he has success. It looks like he's got hope. It looks like he has investments and stocks and bonds for the future. But here we find him, this rich, wealthy, man is climbing in a tree this man of authority and power is simply climbing up a tree last time I checked rich people didn't do that it's little kids that do that honey in the back of the second church mom and dad pastored was this demonic tree it had branches that went everywhere. It had branches that, I mean, I don't even know how tall those branches were. 
And we had this family of kids. There were a lot of kids. In the end, the mom and dad ended up having seven children. But for some reason, the two oldest brothers in that family, HD, if there was something to find, they were going to find it. Anybody know that child? Anybody have that child? Anybody have that child? You know, if they're going to find it, if, they're, if it's going to be found, they're going to be the ones that find it. Amen. I kid you not, forgive me if I've ever falsely accused your child, but I'll have my back turned and kid me and I hear a noise. I know exactly who's done it. And I prophesy it's normally those that make the preachers in youth groups and children's groups. The ones that make the children's leaders want to pull their hair out are the ones who grow up and answer the call of God in their life. I pray, Lord, can that manifest just a little younger, please? But I know exactly who it is. And, buddy, let me tell you something. The Bryant boys would climb those trees. And they had, the funny thing about the Bryant boys was they had another little cousin who liked to keep up with them who was a couple years younger. His name was Paul. I'm proud of Paul. He plays the bass at his church. He's like 32, 33 years old now. But he tried to keep up with them. And we were having a worship team practice and it was a little safer of a day where you could let your children play outside. And all of a sudden, these two boys were on their bikes in the neighborhood and they walk in the church and go, we're looking for a little boy named Paul's parents. He's way up in the tree and he's unable to get down from it. Let me tell you, that boy, how he got that high, I do not know. And the bad thing of it was when Paul got to the top of that tree, he's hanging on dear life, screaming bloody murder. I mean, and thank be to Jesus, the Bryant brother's daddy was tall, lanky, and athletic, and he climbed up there and pulled that boy out of that tree. What, what, what am I saying is that when Jesus begins to move upon a heart, uncharacteristic things begin to happen in the hearts of people who have a coldness toward Jesus Christ. The Bible emphatically states that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a man of great wealth. He was a man of great position. So much wealth that the common man hated him and disliked him. And what do we have happen? Happening, we're seeing Jesus move upon a heart that's making a man say, I don't care about my title. I don't care about my position. I'm going to climb a tree and I'm going to see Jesus. The laying down of titles and positions. All of a sudden, it's almost like Zacchaeus looked like and had the appearance as though he had everything, only for him to confess without Jesus, I've got nothing. Amen. I'm going to stop for just a second right here. I'm calling in the broke, the busted, and the disgusted, the ones that smell bad, the addict, the homeless, and the alcoholic. But can I tell you something? We need Jesus in the wealthy class also. We need Jesus. There are lonely businessmen who sit in their offices thinking they have nothing. Why? Because they don't have Jesus Christ in their life. Without Jesus, we've got nothing. Amen. I feel kind of passionate on that this morning. Amen. Evangelize to the rich people too. 
Because let me tell you something about the transformation of a wealthy man. God begins to move upon hearts. He begins to weigh upon hearts so heavily that he begins to pour out favor upon the common man because of a transformation in the wealthy man. Oh, glory. I'm on something because there's a piece of the Zacchaeus story puzzle that we often forget about. You read toward the end of it. Zacchaeus is walking in his transformation. He's walking in the newness. He's walking as the new man. He's walking as the new man. But then he tells Jesus. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If I've taken anything from anybody, I'm going to give it back to them. And we're not just going to break even. I'm going to give it back to them four times over. So the man that Zacchaeus had robbed was a huge piece of the Zacchaeus transformation. You see what happens there? Is that all of a sudden the Lord begins to touch the heart of the accuser and begins to pour favor upon his people. He grabs a hold and transforms those that used to accuse and rob and steal and break And he transforms for his glory and for his honor. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? But in repentance, it's a walking away from the former. It's a stepping into the newness. And see, what happens is as Zacchaeus begins to experience transformation, As Zacchaeus begins to see the newness in Christ, everything that he once he thought he had, he once it was looked at as though he had everything, realized he had nothing before he knew Jesus, so much so that he wanted to, in this giving back, wanted to lay down the weight and all the grandeur that he had beforehand, before he had met, it's like he wanted to get rid of it. Do you see, see what's happened? He says, I'm not only going to give back, I'm going to give back four times over, fourfold. It's, it's like, I want to, that, that's what repentance does to a heart, Brian. All of a sudden, the things that we look at as valuable, all of a sudden, we realize just exactly how worthless they are. All the things that we look at with a high value, maybe it's, I mean, I may, may get a little preacher cliche here this morning, but maybe what's, what's the thing that's wanting to deter your repentance? That worthwhile Situation. What, what, what exactly is wanting to deter you and hold you back from a complete and total turnaround and a repentance to where you're 100% pursuing God? You know, some of us, maybe it's a relationship. We're letting it just hold us back. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job that we idolize, wanting to just hold us back 
and deter. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a social status. Maybe it's a, a social life. Maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's money. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's an addiction to stay in certain stories and in certain groups. But I want to tell you something. When we begin to lay down the world, see, legalism will beat the concept over your head that's just a matter of walking away from your worldliness. But true Christ-encountered repentance means you're not just stepping away from the old, the things that we do need to walk away from. But it's about stepping and looking unto Christ because he's the author and the finisher. He's the story writer. He, see, see, that's the problem. We've tried to write our own stories. We've tried to write our own stories. We've tried to make our own plans and write our own stories. We've tried to do it our own way only to find ourselves in a place where we realize we got nothing. But can I tell you a simple truth? In Jesus, there is everything. Oh, hallelujah. And I don't know about you this morning. I'm desiring to lay things down so that he can be glorified all the more in my life. Do I have anybody in the house who says, yes, I want the Lord glorified in my life. I want the Lord glory. Is there anybody who says, I want to decrease so he can increase? Is there anybody that says, I'm laying down the things that are holding up my repentance of pursuing the newness in Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me tell you something, rich man. It's time to climb the tree and pursue seeing Jesus because you're going to find something out. He not only has plans to come to your house, he's saying, I've got to get in the house. I've got to change the house. I've got to transform the house. Honey, Jesus wants to come into your house. Oh, glory. That's why we lay it down. Jesus wants to come into the house. He wants to dwell with you and stay with you. Go ahead and let others, as the, the Bible says, the crowd looked and they scoffed and said, here he is making connections with a sinner. Here he is making connections with a low life. Go ahead and let the world look down upon the fact, but you be reminded, Jesus wants to come and stay in your house. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It's the will of the Father that none should perish. There's not a single person in this room. I don't care the decisions you've made. I don't care the words you've said. I don't even care where you were before this service. There is not a single person under the sound of my voice or on the face of the earth that Jesus does not have a desire to come and dwell and to stay in your house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah moment of transformation, that moment of walking away from the old man and running and pursuing the new man. The newness 
and the transformation in Christ. Will you stand with me this morning? Will, will you stand? And I'm just going <coughs> to, if the praise team could come, the praise team could come and just kind of play lightly. I'm feeling an uncharacteristic Micah Bynum leading this morning. The killing the old man, the getting rid of the old man, stepping into the newness. Of just you turn around, you turn around. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but Scott, I loved what you said last Sunday when you were baptized. You said, People are already seeing a difference in me, the world cannot deny a difference. Because right before the Zacchaeus account. You've got the famous healing of blind Bartimaeus. Healing in his eyes. Healing. Luke doesn't record the name, but other gospels do. It speaks of a blind man being healed. Can I tell you something? I want his miraculous power to work so much through this house that the rich man will begin to climb the tree. That's when revival happens. That's when households get saved. Is when the church says, you do the work, God. And we're going to invite you and welcome you to stay in the house. Not my will, but thy will. Can I ask you a simple question? this morning can I ask you a simple yet deep heart examining question this morning frankly truth be told these types of heart examining moments I'd rather the headship of the house lead them but the Holy Spirit has kind of put me in check this morning Noah because I'd rather we all stand and clap and I lay everybody out and all this kind of stuff because I'm I feel myself more of an evangelist. But I feel an urgency, a pastoral anointing this morning to just ask you a question. I ask you a heart examining question. Do you truly want to walk in a life that pursues Him? No matter what the cost, no matter what you lay down, no matter what you give up, no matter what you sacrifice, I want to be in pursuit of Him. I want to be in hot pursuit of Him. I want to run after There are things I need to, maybe there are things you need to let go of to pursue Him. Maybe there are things that you need, decisions, things you do need to deliberately walk away from. But I'm not here to beat anybody over the head. I'm here to let somebody know that Jesus just simply wants to stay in your house. And if you'll let go of those things that you're holding on to to satisfy the flesh, to satisfy emotional needs, 
He'll come and he'll stay in the house. Even though others scoff, even though others reject, you're going to invite Jesus into the house. Mm. Right now, if that's a prayer that you are praying, saying, I want, I want to live a life that pursues him and runs hard after him, I want you to just simply lift up your hand right now. I want to live a life that pursues him that pursues him, that lets go of the things of old and the future things. I want to let go of the former things. I want to let go of the things that are not in his image and in his likeness and what is a reflection of him. I want to pursue him. Here's how I feel led. Here's how I feel led to lead this. I want you to pray the prayer out loud right now, saying, God, less of me, more of you. I want to live a life that's in pursuit of you, that runs hard after you, God. In Jesus' name, a denial of the old and a pursuit of the newness of God. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, in hot pursuit, in hot pursuit after you. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Jesus name right now in Jesus name living a life maybe you're here today and you say you know what I need to make that first step of repentance in my life I need to accept Jesus as my savior or I need to come back to him I need to pursue him making that first initial Step. Is there anybody in the house saying, I want to ask the Lord to forgive me of my sins. I want to walk in repentance. Jesus, is there anybody says, I, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to pursue him and run hard after him. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I've had a couple people tell me that they would like to be prayed for for healing in their bodies. If you need healing, you want us to anoint and pray for you. If you could come up here to the front, we'd like to do that. Is there anybody who needs healing in their body? Amen. Bless you, Brian. Anybody else need, need healing in your body? We'd like to anoint and pray for you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Anybody else need healing in your body? Amen. Just come, stand, stand up here in this altar area. We want to pray for you. Jesus, Jesus, oh, right now, in Jesus' name, we believe for healing. Anybody else?